All right. Good morning. So we, you know, I'm going to ask something. And uh, I'm having some boldness here because I'm sitting here battling, Lord, do I ask this question or not? But if it is possible, can you move forward a little bit? I am, I am a, I've got these wonderful glasses and I love it and I can see, but you know, I want to see a little closer here. If that's all right, I've been in an intimate setting all weekend, and everybody's been right up in my face, and I've just really enjoyed that. So um, it'd be great. Let's get together a little bit. If you can't, that's okay. I understand if you've got, you know, reasons to be back there. I mean, that's okay. But if you can move forward, let's do that this morning. So we just came from an amazing retreat this weekend. I'm going to tell you, I, I think that we have some of the best speakers in our women I was blown away. Some of these women have spoken before, and and they've had good messages in the past. But I think that if I were to be asked from somebody on the major Christian conference circuit, do you have anybody in mind to speak at a conference? I have several of those. That's how good they were. I'm going to tell you, I was so blessed by the way that they were able to dig into the Word, get it out, present it. I mean, we had everything from a cliffhanger, which was awesome-ish that we had to wait to find out the the, the end of the story. And then we had um, analogies, and we had just beautiful references to the word. I love, where's April? The Red Sea moments. That is stuck with me. I now look at everything. And I mean, when you hear, by the time the end of my message gets there, I think we're going to see how we can even handle more Red Sea moments. So, um, and just, it was just such a good amazing time. And if you missed it, we will have um, the uh, flash drives with the MP3s on it, and we'll have CDs available. So do get it. It's really good. And it's not just for the women either. Men, you can listen to it too. It would touch you. And I tell you, there's something that you couldn't record, and that was the tangible presence of God. The presence of God was so strong in that place. You know, when you when you go to the store and you get orange juice in the freezer section, you get the concentrate, right? That's what we had. We had the concentrate this weekend, and it was just awesome. So I know it'll carry us. We're going to spread it. We're going to be contagious. We're going to be women of influence, and we're going to um, carry on his presence. So this morning, we're still continuing on from our women's retreat because uh, one of our sub-themes from Encounter 2018 was Expect the Unexpected. And I don't even know if anybody, I know Pastor Brenda knew, but most people didn't know I was going to be talking about expectation today. And I think you touched on some of it, and I was like, well, Tiara did it yesterday, so I don't need to preach this message now. So, But I have some things to share about expectation that the Lord has put on my heart over the last probably two years. And I put a quote in the newsletter, if you read it, and it said, expectation is the mother of all frustrations. But wait a minute, we're Christians, we're supposed to be expecting. But how many know and can attest when you've had an expectation and it didn't happen the way you expected it, it's a little frustrating. Okay? We've had that. That is that is okay. But I believe that God has a plan and a way that we can manage our expectations so that they are not frustrating. So that we can look at them through his eyes and how to deal with expectations with our friends and families. Because, you know, we all do. We all have them. And with God as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we would 
learn and know from your word how to deal with our expectations, especially those that don't get met the way that we think. Lord, help us to see our expectations the way that you see them. Help us to see you the way you want us to see you. Help us to see others the way you want us to see them. And give us wisdom and your presence in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I have a love-hate relationship with the word expectation. If I say to you, expect the unexpected, you get a what? Like a positive vibe from it, right? You're expecting something really cool to happen that was unexpected. But if I say expect to you, expect the unexpected, you might also think you might get a negative. Now, when you go and you're you're going on a trip, what do you do? You, You pack and you pack for what? The unexpected. You don't want to believe that your great beach vacation is going to be filled with rain, but you pack as though it might happen. You already have set yourself up, even though you've expected it to be awesome. Underneath, there's this little, little sub-expectation that something unexpected in the negative realm is going to happen, okay? So we do expect the unexpected both positively and negatively. So, expectations. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that expectations are bad. We have to have them. Because it almost can go like, well, what's the point of having an expectation, Lord? If every time I'm going to, it's going to always turn out wrong or it's not going to be the way I want it to be. Expectations are very good and we do need them. They are goals. They are not reality. They are goals that we set, basically. They are not always going to be reality. This is going to be a good thing, though. The definition of to expect means to anticipate or look forward to the coming or occurrence of, to consider probable or certain, to consider reasonable, due or necessary, to consider bound in duty or obligated. Expectations set parameters, but they always need to be voiced. How many times have you told your children, I expected better out of you? And they're looking at you going, what did you expect? I really don't know what you expected because we never voiced it. But in our mindset, we had an expectation and they failed it and they had no idea. Now, now granted, sometimes they know and they have to come up to that level and that's okay. We, the, those kind of expectations are not the kind I'm talking about. The voiced ones, the ones that we've made clear, you know, when someone fails those expectations, those are the ones we have to, you know, we've got to work through in a different way. But we have so many unvoiced expectations that we place on people, our friends, our families, our spouses. Did you know that unmet expectations is one of the most common reasons for divorce? It is, you know, people think, oh, it's because we had problems with communication or we had problems with uh, the intimacy or we had problems in the money area. But really, it comes right down to what do you expect from that spouse? And when they fail it, how do you get over it? And see, we have to learn how to work through these unmet expectations because an unmet expectation can lead to offense. Now, where do our expectations come from? They come from our beliefs, our cultures, our uh, teachings, our parents, our families, all of these things. Now, think about it. The person sitting next to you, even if they are your spouse, has, was brought up with different expectations in life. They most likely were, unless they were like your next door neighbor and you saw them grow up out every day. They most likely had very different upbringings, which changes your expectations. And let me give you an example. 
So in our household, when we have dinner together, the six of us, we sit down. I cook dinner. Now Sarah helps sometimes too. So, but I cook dinner and my expectation is that my plate will get cleared by my children. Now, my husband was brought up that everybody clears your own plate. So when we first started, when our kids started getting old enough, they're like, Mom, why is your plate still sitting here? Because Dad said, we all have to clean our own plate. And I said, I was not brought up that way. I was brought up that one person had the responsibility to clear the entire table and take care of the dishes. So we, in our trying to solve the, this expectation issue, because that's really what it was. My expectation is somebody else is going to clean up my table. I cooked dinner. I did all this work. I am tired. I was the last one to sit down. You guys have all finished and are asking for seconds, and I haven't even taken a bite yet. And I expect somebody to clear my place. <laughs> so my husband and I came up with a compromise. His expectation was, you take care of your own dishes. You don't wait for your sibling to clear your plate. And you don't expect your mother is not to clear your plate. You take care of your own things. So you see how we had a conflict in our expectations. So to compromise, he said, okay, everybody clears your plate. And one of you has to take care of your mother's dish. Whoever it is that was assigned to taking care of the dishes or the table or whatever. That was our compromise. Now, it seems like a silly thing. But really, that's how our lives are with expectations. But they get bigger and they get more problematic as we get into relationships. And as our relationships grow, we may place expectations on people and they'll have no idea. Then they hurt our feelings and we are upset and the next thing you know, you have no relationship left. Now, um, I was asking the Lord. Oh, there was one other thing that um, sets us up. I, our culture, our upbringing. But here is a big trap for expectations, or at least false expectations. Movies and media and TV. Especially in the area of marriage. I just want to say, especially you young people out there, those of us who've been married for a long time, uh, those who are thinking about marriage, those who have had failed marriages. I mean, all of us are in this boat together. But think about some of the things we've seen in the happily ever after movies and all of these things. And we have these expectations that are going to be awesome. I know I expected my husband to be this knight in shining armor. To, to be one who's like, okay, let's pray together every day. And let's, you know, snuggle up together every day. And all of these things, this mindset that I had... And none of it was reality. Now, not that we don't pray together or not that we don't snuggle up together in those things, but it wasn't that expectation that I had based on what I saw other people. Or nowadays we have Facebook and Pinterest and um, what else, uh, Instagram where we see all these pictures of all these happy, wonderful things going on. And we're like, I want that for me. Why don't I have that? And we get disappointed because our expectations aren't met. So be careful. Media, you know, even Facebook and these social medias, they're not always 100% the true picture. The only thing I think is absolutely true on Facebook is the word of God when it's posted. So <laughs> we like to hide behind some of those things on there. But I think that there is an example in the word of God that of somebody who had expectation issues. And as I was exploring this character in the Bible, um, I was like, Lord, I don't like this particular person. I have never really liked this person. He even has his own book. 
It's only four chapters long. I've never really cared for this prophet of Israel. His name is Jonah. Jonah and I have had a love-hate relationship with each other, and now I actually have a little bit more respect and sympathy for Jonah, especially after Tierra's message on Gideon yesterday. So as we looked at Gideon, who is another one that you always question and wonder, why did you ask and try so many times? But really, honestly, truth is, we probably would be asking God for a sign several times as well, right? So now I'm looking at Jonah a little bit different in my eyes. So thank you, Tierra. But Jonah has an interesting story. Let me find my minutes here. Hold on. So Jonah was a prophet, and we find his story in um, Jonah, chapters 1 through 4 in the Old Testament. He was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of Jeroboam II. He was a contemporary of Hosea and Amos, and he was from Galilee, which is interesting since the Pharisees, if you've ever read in John chapter uh, 7, the Pharisees said, there's no prophet in Israel that came out of Galilee, Well, I think if they had gone back and really knew their word, they would have found that Jonah was from a city in Galilee and that Jonah was a prophet, a prophet that even Jesus quoted later on was from Galilee. So I was laughing at that. It's like the Pharisees probably had they researched would have had to eat some crow, you know? But interestingly, that's that he was from Galilee and uh, he was sent to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria with a mission. And I'm not going to read the whole book of Jonah, but we're going to read some parts here. It says in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it, to, uh, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Why did Jonah run? Well, there's a lot of different reasons, but I'm going to focus on his expectation. And I, we get our answer later in the book. But Jonah ran because he had an expectation of God. And God says he gave this word. Now, he's used to giving the word to the, the kingdom of Israel. And if you know anything about the northern kingdom, I think they were a little bit more hard-headed than even the tribe of Judah, right? And they... Jonah was, that's, that was what he was doing. Now God's telling him to go to this very wicked city in the, cap, in the capital of Assyria to give this message to them. And Jonah wants to see destruction of Nineveh. But I think deep down he knows that God, he knows the character of God. Let's put it that way. And we're going to see. What did, what did God say in chapter 4? He said... Uh, or this was in chapter 3. So he goes back. We all know the story. He goes, into, he goes into the ship. He gets pitched over. Gets swallowed by the great fish. Um, prays in the great fish. This great repentant prayer. Gets thrown up onto the shores. Travels to Nineveh. Goes to Nineveh and gives the word after he you know, realizes he, he kind of messed up and he really needed to do it. And so in, and he gives the word and it starts in chapter uh, 3, verse 5. He says, Then the people of Nineveh, believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, 
In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn away from his wicked way, from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Jonah wasn't happy about this. If you go on to the very next chapter in verse 1 and 2, it says, But it greatly displeased Jonah. Here is a people that heard the word that he's a prophet to, and they're ready to repent. But Jonah had a different expectation for what he wanted to see in Nineveh. He said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Jonah knew God was going to do it. He almost knew that there was a reason that he's sending him there, and he wants to do something in these people. But Jonah didn't want to see it happen. Now, how many times have we known that a good thing should happen to somebody, but for justice sake or for some reason, we just want them to pay? Now, see, the Assyrians were a wicked people. Now, where did all of this come from? You know, there's a lot of things, you know, with the children of Israel. And we look through and judges and the kings and all the, the problems that happened in those um, books. I mean, if you go through and you read the historical books, it's, it's crazy some of the things that happened. And they would go back and forth. They were, they were wearing flip-flops. They just could not make up their mind if they were going to serve God or if they were going to serve Baal or if they were going to serve God or if they were going to serve Baal. It just, it was always back and forth. And so when those prophets raised up, most of the time, the prophetic words were hard, right? They had a hard word. And I think that Jonah was like, these are wicked people. They don't deserve that. And so there's something inside of us sometimes that we have allowed to creep in to mask that tenderness that our God is. See, Jonah was having an expectation based on man's thoughts, man's ideas, man's ways, and not the character of our God. And if you tell me, and I, I didn't, I didn't write, I started to start making all these other notes, and I was like, Lord, I'll be here forever. But our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the Old Testament, there is so much of the nature of God that we see in Jesus Christ, our gracious God, that is sprinkled throughout that Old Testament, where he gave second, third, fourth, fifth chances. And even with Jonah, it doesn't stop here when he sees that. You know what Jonah does after they repent? He goes up on a hill, overlooks the city, crosses his arms, and says, okay, I'm going to wait till this place is destroyed. Even though, he just, even though he just saw that they all repented, and he knows the heart of his God, he's still, and God was still merciful to Jonah. I mean, our God is great. And I mean, when you find yourself having that Jonah mentality, he is still there to give us that mercy and grace and say, it's okay. You get a second chance. And he did it again with the, the gourd that came up and the, and the worm and all of that. So go read Jonah. Look at it differently. See yourself in it. But I want to go back to our relationships. See, Jonah, Jonah's way of dealing with relationships and expectations in our relationship is this. We can expect someone to do something 
They fail, we get mad, we await their destruction. The God way to do it, though, is we can expect someone to do something, they fail, we show mercy, and we await reconciliation. See, we have to be able to understand that our, our family members, our friends, our loved ones, our bosses, our coworkers, our pastors are going to fail us sometimes. They're going to mess up. And sometimes it's a big mess up. But that gives God a bigger opportunity to, to allow us to use his grace in their lives. It allows a bigger opportunity for us to show them the love of Jesus. So when you are dealing with these things, it's okay to feel hurt. See, disappointment occurs when expectations are failed. It's unavoidable. You're going to be disappointed. I would love to say, oh, you messed up. You, know, I just, you failed my expectations. I'm just so happy about it. That's not true. I had, I've, just even studying these notes for the last two months, you don't know how many times I have said, I am so disappointed in them because they failed my expectation. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Lord, you're already dealing with me. I can't. I need to forgive them. I need to know that they might be thinking a totally different thing. They might have a different understanding of how something should get done. And my thought process is it needs to be done. Dut, 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 dut. This is how I was on up. Just even this morning, I think, Ron, we were talking in the hallway, you know, you would just think they would know to deal with things correctly, you know, make sure all the doors are unlocked so we can open both doors and not just one. And, you know, just little things like that. If I was running it, it would be done differently. How many of we've said that before many times? But see, sometimes those failed expectations that we think are failed may not be failed expectations. Maybe God's trying to do something in that situation with that person. And maybe they're trying to speak to you through that thing that you need to change your attitude a little bit and not look at it always in your own way, the way you think it should be, and look at it from a different perspective. Paul says, excuse me, Paul says in Ephesians, therefore... I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, the Greek word for tolerance in the above scripture is echo, which is a compound of in, which is ana, and to have, to hold up, or back from following, echo. Back from falling, I'm sorry. In this particular verse, it is contextually to mean to bear with, have patience with, in regard to the errors or weaknesses of anyone. We should have some tolerance when our brother or sister falls or doesn't do it the way we think they should. When someone fails our expectations, this is how we deal with them in order to preserve the unity of the spirit. Just like God shows us mercy again and again and again and again, Just what God was trying to teach Jonah, we have to do the same with our brother and sister. Not dealing with failed expectations properly can lead us to get frustrated when we think God has failed our expectations. So with God, we can, you know, if we continue to do this pattern with our friends and our families, pretty soon we're going to start saying, well, God, you failed my expectations. And what is faith? Faith is an expectation. It's something you're looking forward to. It's something you're looking to right? So when we start looking at our expectations and they're constantly being failed, and I've had days like that. I mean, I will tell you, my, 
the last five years, or five years ago, something happened. And the last two years, because of that event, I was looking back going, I never expected this to happen in my life. Five years ago, my uncle passed away at the early age of 60 years old. He is my mother's only brother, my grandmother's only son. I have a very small family unit. It's my, my grandmother, my mom, my sister, and myself, and, our, and my sister's family and my family, and that's it. We don't have any cousins and any more uncles or aunts or anything like that. So when my uncle passed away five years ago, we were all, it was an unexpected thing. He was diagnosed with cancer. Three weeks later, he was gone. That was how fast it went. It just blew us away. But God worked through that. He showed us some things and revealed some things to us that, you know, we were able to to move on. Well, two years ago, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She was only 62. And it just blew us away. And so one of the things that I've been looking at, and it's like, Lord, and I had this, and I, I, I've had this conversation a couple of times, but my expectation as a young woman, when, especially when I got married, I got married young. I had children young. I grew up with my grandmother. I expected my children to grow up with their grandmother. I expected you know, to have all of these things that I saw my childhood for my kids. And now, here I am, where I am having to take care of my grandmother and my mother, where, you know, and my uncle was supposed to be there through all of this, because he was like a father figure. So, you know, it's supposed to be all, you know, that we had this whole thing worked out, Lord. And it all came crashing down. And I was sitting there going, I don't, I'm not blaming you, God. I'm not mad at you, God. But this is not what I thought it was going to look like. What do I do? And I realized I had to get up and figure out how to pull up my pants, get in there, and work hard at, at a new expectation. Instead of wallowing in the fact that I no longer had this person to lean on to help take someone to doctor's point, we had to figure out creative ways, and we are still doing this. My sister and I are working through how to take care of this family that just shrank from this, you know, strong support to just now the two of us. So, you know, God works some crazy things out for us. And we don't always see what we want to see. We don't get our expectations filled the way that we want them to be filled. You know, the word says that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. His ways are not our ways. Why is it so hard for us to get this? I've been saved for 27 years and I still don't always get it. How many can attest to that? You know, it's, it's not easy to get that his ways are different. But I'm so glad because there's another example in the word, and it's a little bit more broad. I don't have a specific scripture reference for it. But when Jesus came to the earth as the Messiah, there were a lot of people who had an expectation. They had an expectation of what Jesus was, or the Messiah was supposed to be like. They put it in their mindset based on, again, man's thoughts, our ways. This is what he should look like, and this is how he should act, and this is how he should act, that they didn't even recognize him. Their expectation was so different than the way that he came. But aren't you so glad that God chose to come a little bit different than everyone expected? Because he was able to show who he really was through Jesus Christ. So to the woman that was caught in adultery, he said, no one else condemns you. Rise up, go and sin no more. To the woman at the well, I've got water for you that you will never thirst again. Drink of this. 
You know, he had all of these things that were so mind-blowing, so not expected, and yet he did something amazing with that. And we're here today because of that, and that is totally awesome. Now, there's a scripture that almost everybody looks to. If you type in expectation, go ahead and Google it. Expectation scriptures. Does anyone know what the first scripture that's going to come up is? And we quoted, I think it was said at least three times in the retreat this weekend. It's Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts of good for an expected end, right? Well, did you know, you have to, you know, the, when you take a scripture, we always talk about looking at the before and the after. When you go to the beginning of chapter 29, it's very interesting because Jeremiah has a, is a prophet, another prophet, and he has a prophecy for Israel. And they had just been captor, captured and taken to Babylon from Jerusalem. And there were a lot of false prophets going around saying, you're not going to be here long. We're going to fight. We're going to move on. We're going to get back to Jerusalem. They had, you know, they had all of this going on. And here's Jeremiah received the word of the Lord. And it came up into him. And he basically said, you need to really um, understand that you're to seek peace in this city. You're going to be here for a while. Matter of fact, you're going to be here for 70 years. You might as well get used to it. Now, is that something we want to hear? That we're going to be stuck in captivity? But sometimes we are stuck in a place that we don't want to be. And that's okay. Because God has us in that place for a reason. And the fact that he said, seek peace, seek peace. We're not supposed to be going around complaining and murmuring about that place we're in. We are supposed to be seeking the peace. What can we do in this situation, Lord? I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And then later on, in verse 11, he moves on. He says, but. There's a but there, basically. That's Jeremiah's. He says that, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. So even though I just told you that you're going to be stuck here in Babylon, that you've got to seek peace with these people, that you've got to stay here for 70 years. Some of you may never even go beyond this place because, you know, a lot can happen in 70 years. But yet... I know the thoughts I have towards you. They don't change. I have thoughts for good. Right? Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. But then it continues. See, we don't want to stop just at the one verse. We want to keep going. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. See, even in our captivity, he has a promise for us. And even in our captivity and our situations and our trials and our tribulations and our circumstances that are beyond our control, because really a lot of our unexpected things, every catastrophe is an unexpected thing. You don't expect a catastrophe to happen. Think about it. We have people that live in hurricane places. Even though they know that a hurricane's coming, they always don't expect it. It's really interesting, right? But what, you know, but what do they do? They work with it. They, they are going to go through that situation and know that they can get through it because they've done it before. They make the preparations. They do the things they have to do. 
and they go through it. Same with us. When we have these unexpected expectations, things that we don't know that are coming, things that we have no, we know that our God says, I have peace for you. I have an expected end. He has great expectations for us, and he expects us to have great expectations for others. So when we are challenged in our expectation, I, that's the heart, my heart is that we walk away today in our relationships looking at others differently. Let's look at everybody with the idea that I expect these things from you, but you know what? I also have some great grace to give you because I want to see you grow. And here's the beauty of it. When somebody has failed your expectations, just like we have failed God's expectations in the past, pick them up and how can I help you? How can I get you to a place so that you grow, so that you're greater? That should be our heart. So don't get frustrated anymore with expectation. Let God change our heart toward others with our expectations. Today, as we, I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. And right now, as I guess, let's go ahead and all stand up real quick. Lord, I just thank you right now, Father God, for your presence. And I thank you, Lord God, that you would free us into your peace where, where concerning our expectations. And Lord, some of us need to think back about some of our relationships today and that we would look at how we have put expectations on people. And Lord, that we have seen them disappoint us and our hearts have broken, or our hearts are breaking that we did not respond the correct way. Father, I thank you that, Lord, as we go from this place today, that we would begin to speak life into others. Lord, that we would begin to look at them, even in their failed expectations and those unmet expectations, with grace and mercy and a desire to see them grow. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that there will be reparations of relationships through this. Father God, I thank you that our hearts and minds would be would be pure before you and that we would be able to walk in that love that you showed Jonah, the love that you showed the children of Israel, the love you continue to show us day in and day out. Father, I thank you that you have great things expected for us and that we have that expectation that you are going to do great things. And I thank you, Father God, that we are able to walk in your presence and your peace in Jesus' name. Amen.